following lecture was produced by the Gnostic Academy of Chicago, a nonprofit organization, and is one of many available for podcast, download, and transcription. You can visit chicagonosis.org to find courses, articles, scriptures, commentaries, and other valuable resources that address a wide variety of spiritual subjects, interests, and needs. Through the generous support of listeners like you, the Gnostic Academy of Chicago has produced online courses, lectures, and articles freely available worldwide. If you have benefited from this knowledge, help humanity through making a tax-deductible donation at chicagonosis.org. If you are interested in attending the Gnostic Academy of Chicago in person, you may view our online class schedule and freely register at meetup.com slash chicagonosis. The Chicagoland Gnostic Academy provides humanity with the necessary means for transforming suffering and acquiring personal knowledge of the divine. With this purpose in mind, we now begin the lecture. May all beings be happy. This lecture is about astral projection techniques. While we have discussed a lot of theories associated with astral projection, we will now discuss many practices to achieve it. Not only will we give many exercises from the writings of Saman Vior, but we will also provide the necessary context for you to understand the purpose and utility of each exercise. Voluntary astral projections are often achieved through mantra recitations. But what exactly are mantras? A mantra is conventionally understood as a repeated slogan, keyword or phrase. In Buddhism and Hinduism, Meditators recite particular words to aid in concentration. Mantras are a series of vocalizations that resonate in our body, mind, and spirit. Such words are usually imbued with spiritual meaning, transmitted from master to disciple through a lineage or tradition. The term mantra comes from the Sanskrit man, to think, or manas, mind. Tra or try signifies to protect, to free. In synthesis, mantra means mind protection, or to free the mind through sacred sounds. Mantras help to protect our mind from negative states. They also teach our mind how to be serene, concentrated, and obedient to our will. Anyone who has attempted meditation or mantra recitation exercises has discovered that the mind is undisciplined or distracted 
it is wild. Thoughts come and go, one after the other, in associative succession. They even appear to have no beginning or end. Although our meditation sessions might be brief, we do get a glimpse in such moments of our true psychological state. However, many tend to ignore this fact in their busy lives. Mantras are an effective tool for teaching our consciousness how to be focused. Right now, our conscious faculties tend to be deficient. In the beginning, we lack stability of concentration and clarity of visualization. If we cannot focus on one thing, if we are constantly distracted, and if we cannot clearly visualize imagery in our mind, then we will not have the capacity to consciously astral project with the frequency or sustainability we long for. Fortunately, mantras aid with concentration and visualization through the power of the divine word. All religious traditions describe how sound is sacred and powerful. We know conventionally that a soft word of kindness dissipates anger. We also know that rude, incoherent, and abrasive words offend the mind and sensibilities. This is because the spoken word is the vehicle of psychological meaning. If our intentions are bad, egotistical, then our words will reflect that. If we operate from psychological states of altruism, kindness, selflessness, in other words, the essence then our words will benefit all sentient beings. Not only do we create situations in life based upon the quality of our speech, likewise divinity creates spiritual being through the power of the word. As indicated by Samael and Vior in The Spiritual Power of Sound, the gods create with the power of the word because in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1. This slide depicts various sacred languages. We see from left to right, and then down, Tibetan, Chinese, Hebrew, Latin, and Arabic. They are sacred, not just because they convey the wisdom of the prophets across various cultures, but also because of their linguistic and archetypal complexity. We can state without a doubt that these are examples of divine languages. These languages have great depth, power, and impact for the soul. 
They are divine because their alphabets and pronunciations reflect metaphysical realities. Each letter of their respective alphabets represent principles, intelligences, and forces. Moreover, their conscious enunciation can facilitate our complete development as a human being. Languages represent the articulation of thought, of cognizance, and are referenced by the Greek term logos. The first Christians iterated the fact that divinity is equivalent to the spoken word because speech is the actualization of abstract potential. We bring into being our own psychological potential through speech. Therefore, what we say carries tremendous consequences for our own well-being and the well-being of others. Rather than exclusively speak about the negative impact of words, which is something that we are all probably already familiar with, we will emphasize how certain languages, like the ones we've cited, are mantric in nature. As stated by Samayon Vior, again in the spiritual power of sound. There is a universal language of life spoken only by angels, archangels, seraphim, etc. When the sacred fire blooms in our fertile lips made verb, the word becomes flesh in us. All the mantras unknown among the occultists are just syllables, letters, and isolated words of the language of the light. All sacred languages stem from a universal language and are vehicles of internal truths. They are mantric languages. Their original structures are expressions of the being. They are more in tune with the nature of divinity. As vehicles of expression, they reflect spiritual truths with greater accuracy than is afforded by our more modern languages. Many languages have progressively distanced themselves from their sources. As dramatized in Genesis by the Tower of Babel, while it is normal for languages to change over time, mantric languages retain a primeval coherence and integrity in relation to divine truths. These languages are rich with meaning. Their nuances cannot be simplified or synthesized into a single English translation. Primarily since each word and letter operates on multiple conceptual dimensions. This is why if we wish to understand texts like the Bible or the Quran, we must have some familiarity with their original languages, since their letters contain tremendous significance. They embody eternal truths. 
One doesn't need to be fluent in such languages to be successful in scriptural interpretation. One needs a basic education in the symbols of such alphabets, which, combined with an English translation, opens doors to wisdom that is not accessible to the uninitiated. This is why we pronounce mantras in their original languages, such as Sanskrit, Hebrew, Latin, and Arabic, because they convey tremendous power. These mantras are magical in nature. If you wish to benefit from the power of a certain mantra, you must pronounce it according to its original language and form, in the same manner that it was transmitted from master to disciple. This is why religious traditions have existed to accurately transmit spiritual practices for the awakening of the consciousness. Mantras activate chakras. But what are chakras? Chakra in Sanskrit means wheel. A chakra is a wheel of energy formed whenever two meridians or currents of Vital energy, cross. We have thousands of chakras since we possess thousands of meridians. However, when people often speak about chakras, they often talk about the seven main ones connected to our spine. Our astral body perceives the astral world through our chakras. Chakras help to channel divine energy in the same manner as a water mill. If there is no water flowing, the mill won't turn. The same with the chakras. Most people typically don't have their chakras activated, either permanently or even temporarily. This is why we train with mantra recitation, so that the senses of the astral body become rejuvenated. Mantras help to activate our chakras by concentrating and directing energy. Different sounds vibrate in different parts of our body. Sounds not only vibrate and permeate our environment, such as when our words reach our neighbor during a conversation, but also reverberate within our body, consciousness, and astral body. Therefore, the quality of our speech has significant results, both for ourselves and others. Just as we possess seven main chakras, we also activate them through seven primary sounds or vowels. Traditionally, a vowel is a basic unit of sound within any language, forming the nucleus of a syllable. In English, we often reference five main vowels, A, E, I, O, and U. However, in our spiritual studies, we also recognize that the letters M and S are also vowels. This can be confusing, since traditionally, M and S are considered consonants, which join with vowels to form syllables. However, we emphasize how the letters I, E, O, U, A, M, and S are esoteric vowels. Because whenever you vocalize and prolong those sounds, they vibrate within specific nuclei or chakras in our body. 
since a vowel forms the center of a nucleus or nucleus of a syllable. Likewise, these seven vowels activate the seven nuclei or centers of our chakras along the spine. There are seven main chakras, which each have their respective sounds, capacities, and astral powers. We will list them now from the top of our spine to the base. Sahasrara, the crown chakra, activated by the mantra E. Ajna, the third eye chakra, also activated by the mantra E. Vishuddha, the throat chakra, and the mantra E. Anahata, the heart chakra, and the mantra O. Manipura, the abdominal chakra or solar plexus, activated by the mantra U. Svadhisthana, the prostatic or uterine chakra, activated by the mantra M. Muladhara chakra, the sacral or root chakra, activated by the mantra S. Some native English speakers have been confused by Salman Vior's explanation of the seven vowels, primarily since he wrote in Spanish, which has some different vowel pronunciations than in English. We will list them here with examples. The vowel E, pronounced as the vowel in tree, vibrates the crown chakra at the top of our head and the third eye chakra between our eyebrows. These develop the capacity for omniscience and clairvoyance. The vowel E, as in bet, vibrates in the throat, activating the ability to hear mystical sounds. The vowel O, as in boat, vibrates in the heart, awakening the power of intuition and the capacity for conscious astral projections. The vowel U, as in true, vibrates in the solar plexus or abdomen, which grants us access to telepathy. We also possess a pulmonary chakra in our lungs that is activated by the mantra ah or a. This chakra helps with remembering past lives. The vowel M, as in hum, vibrates in the prostrate in men or the uterus in women. It activates the ability to control and direct our creative energies, the waters of life. The vowel S, as in serpent, vibrates at the base of the spine and awakens sparks of the sacred fire or energy known in some traditions as Kundalini or Pentecost. Here is what the seven vowels sound like together from the top of the spine to the bottom. E.
Some people really struggle with pronouncing the letters M and S. M should be prolonged with the lips closed, humming like a bull. S is extended like the hissing of a snake. Place the tip of your tongue close to your tooth ridge. This is close to the upper backside of your top front teeth. Allow the air to pass through as you exhale, extending the sound. By working with our chakras, we can learn to consciously astral project. Each astral projection mantra is a key to the internal worlds. Just as our speech is imbibed with meaning, likewise astral projection mantras contain a fundamental keynote that allows our consciousness to resonate with the superior worlds, thereby facilitating the transition of our essence into the internal dimensions. Before we get into actual astral projection mantras, let us describe different ways to vocalize them. This is from Esoteric Medicine and Practical Magic by Samael and Vior. The verb is of triple pronunciation and that it endows three norms, verbal, mental, and conscious. One can articulate with the creative larynx. One can vocalize with his thought and one can vocalize with the superlative consciousness of the being. When we lie down to practice our astral projection exercises, we can first vocalize a mantra aloud, perhaps for 15 minutes. Then we can whisper the mantra for just as long. Lastly, we pronounce the mantra in our mind. This gradual Diminution of sound helps us to increase our concentration from vocalization to whispering, then to silence. You allow yourself to eventually get drowsy as you're whispering until finally you are concentrated within the mantra in your mind. Then fall asleep reciting the mantra, immersing your entire being within it until you consciously transition into the astral. Many people complain that they cannot achieve conscious astral projections. This is often the consequence of having abused the senses of the astral body. Despite the fact that we have made our internal bodies sick, depleted of spiritual force, there is a way to restore such powers to their normal functionalism and capacities. We do so through pronouncing the mantra Ehipto, for one hour daily. We've included an image of the pyramids of Giza topped by an illuminated figure at their apex. This represents the illuminated powers of the astral body, which grants any initiate access to heavenly states of consciousness. Some contemporary anthropologists have questioned the age, utility, and purpose of these pyramids. Some have argued that the pyramids, rather than serve as a catacomb for dead kings, instead were conduits for spiritual forces. These buildings were meant to channel energy conducive for the psychological and spiritual elevation of the local Egyptians. 
whose culture once resonated with and reflected higher principles. Each corner of the pyramid represents the solar bodies, the physical, vital, astral, and mental vehicles. The apex can represent, much like in the American dollar bill, the divine eye of omniscience and mystical perception. It can also relate to the human consciousness of, or causal vehicle that has dominated the lower aspects of our psychology. This mantra is a primer for our psychic machinery, the spiritual engines of our, of our chakras. By pronouncing this mantra for one hour a day, minimum, the chakras of our astral body activate and operate in an optimal manner. In this way, like the pyramids, we charge ourselves with tremendous power and teach our astral body how to be a useful instrument for our inner divinity. The mantra is pronounced like this. Salman Vior explained the significance of this mantra in The Seven Words, which was published in the book The Divine Science. Here is what he said. Our disciples must acquire the power of astral body projection. This power is acquired by vocalizing daily for an hour the sacred mantra Egipto. The vowel eh makes the thyroid gland vibrate and grants the initiate the power of the occult ear. The G awakens the chakra of the liver, and when this chakra has reached its full development, then the initiate can enter and leave the physical body anytime at will. The vowel I, combined with the letter P, or the vowel E, combined with the letter P, develops clairvoyance in the initiate and the power to depart in the astral body through the window of Brahma, which is the pineal gland. Pronounce the letter T with force, or the vowel O, which is intimately related with the chakra of the heart. This is how the initiate can acquire the power to project the self through this plexus, and thus travel in his astral body. Another mantra for awakening our lost astral powers is Fe Uin Dach. It's quite an unusual series of sounds, especially for Westerners. Arnold Crumb Heller, Master Huda Kocha, stated in his book Esoteric Rose that this mantra is of Egyptian origin. Many chakras exist in our internal bodies. When we speak of seven primary ones, we also have other important chakras in our liver and spleen that regulate our vital currency or energetic values, which must be conserved and consciously utilized to achieve astral projections. Here's what Salman Vior said about this from Tarot and Kabbalah. During the night, the splenic chakra gathers the energies left by the sun during the day. With those energies, the splenic chakra transmutes the white blood cells into red blood cells. During the day, 
The organic refuse obstructs the nervous canals of the grand sympathetic nervous system. During sleep, the vital energy makes that chakra spin. And this chakra uses the energy of the sun, which passes into the spleen, in order to transmute the white blood cells into red blood cells. Then the energy passes to the solar plexus and is distributed into the whole nervous system. The thyroid gland cooperates by disinfecting the whole organism. It is clear that when the ego, lunar astral, returns into the organism after sleep, it is already repaired and we feel healthier. When one awakes tired, it is because the organism is sick. The hepatic chakra serves for astral projection. The astral body is connected with the liver. By awakening the chakra of the liver, anyone can enter and exit the physical body at will. The splenic, hepatic, and solar plexuses are developed with the Egyptian mantra Fe Uin Dakt. This mantra must be sung in the note Mi. Then the three mentioned chakras in the lungs are developed. Also, he says elsewhere in the Manual of Practical Magic, included in the publication of Practical Astrology, the mantra Fe Uin Dakt, the last letter pronounced gutturally, serves to awaken all the chakras of the astral body. The pronunciation, especially with the guttural G, is in the back of the throat, like a prolonged guh. Sing this mantra in the musical note Mi of the musical scale. Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Si, like this. Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Si. Therefore, we can find the right note by singing, then pronouncing the mantra like this. Do, Re, Mi, Fe. This mantra enlivens our chakras. But remember that the proper functioning of our chakras is deeply connected with our physical health. This exercise purifies our spleen, liver, and abdomen. Since the vibrations of the mantra invigorate our glands to work with greater intensity, efficacy, and wisdom. When our glands work optimally, our mental and spiritual health is also sustained. Since our hormones, digestion, and lymphatic system intimately relate to the purity of our consciousness. We will now discuss the mantra Ephraim. In Genesis, Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh was the firstborn and Ephraim was the secondborn son. They were both adopted by Joseph's father, Jacob, to share in Jacob's inheritance. However, 
rather than bequeath the firstborn Manasseh his inheritance, Jacob honored Ephraim, the youngest. Jacob placed his right hand upon Ephraim and his left hand upon Manasseh, Joseph's firstborn. This act displeased Joseph, since this blessing symbolized how the firstborn would be second in patrilineal succession, an act that went against custom and tradition. The Bible is a symbolic text, not just a literal retelling of history. Manasseh and Ephraim are mantras for the astral body, the former being inferior and the latter being superior. Manasseh symbolizes the lunar astral body, which is developed by black magicians, and Ephraim represents the superior qualities of the solar astral body, which is developed by white magicians. Just as both brothers contend for Jacob's favor, in the same manner our defects and virtues strive for primacy within our consciousness. Most of us incline, psychologically, towards the ego, represented by Manasseh. He's the firstborn, which represents how our psychological center of gravity is within the ego. However, the essence, fully developed in Jacob, always favors Ephraim, the superior astral forces, even though he is younger and less experienced in that these energies are less developed than us. Those powers are of the stars, signified by the term astra or astral. The Hebrew name Ephraim is also associated with being fruitful in Egypt, the land of affliction. Since the mantra Ephraim makes our astral body fertile, with heavenly forces. It's important to understand how the Bible is replete with sacred geography, which have a symbolic rather than a literal designation, rather than exclusively represent physical places. They actually reference spiritual states and the multidimensionality of our universe. This is because divinity communicates through an abstract, symbolic language, which is often contemporaneous to any initiate's cultural setting and idiosyncrasies. Therefore, the symbols that Moses received were documented in the Torah using the names, language, and locations of his time. Likewise with any sacred writing. God speaks to certain initiates in a way that is understandable to them. Therefore, spiritual knowledge is always clothed in the garb of the times so that such wisdom becomes accessible. Egypt often represents our physical world, where we live enslaved to mechanicity and suffering. To escape pain, we learn to ascend Mount Ephraim, a symbol of elevating our consciousness to superior states as outlined in the tree of life. We do so by making our consciousness fertile 
to vibrate with divine power. Ephraim is also considered an Egyptian mantra because this exercise, like many in the Gnostic tradition of Samayong Vior, transforms the fertility, potency, or virility of the physical body and elevates it to spiritual use. Mastering and directing our creative energy helps to liberate us from suffering, from slavery, which is what the mantra Ephraim does. We will not elaborate upon using Manasseh as a mantra because it is negative. We will explain how to work with the powerful mantra Ephraim instead. This mantra activates all of our chakras and invokes the cosmic Christ within our interior. This mantra is pronounced like this. Here's what Samalan Vior said about this mantra in the seven words. All the occult powers of the astral body enter into activity with this powerful Egyptian mantra. The vowel H is pronounced like a deep sigh, and the pronunciation of the letter P gives force to this vowel like when one is blowing out air. A Catholic priest asked an Aztec magician, How do you name God? And the Aztec magician answered him with a deep sigh. This sigh was the vowel H. This is why the word breath has the vowel H. The letter H is a vowel, even when the grammarians do not affirm it is. The H is the breath of life, the igneous breath. And when combined with the P, like this, F, PH, it gives the sensation of pressuring with the lips, the breath of life. Thus, this is why this mantra contains remarkable powers. The vowel eh, e, or the vowel eh, better said, develops the thyroid chakra and the powers of the mind. The sound ph places the igneous breath on all the chakras of the astral body in order to awaken them. The mantra ra forces all the chakras of the astral body of the human being to vibrate. The vowel E awakens the chakras of the head. And when it is combined with the vowel M, namely Im, it acquires a remarkable power that diffuses through all the astral chakras by animating and enlightening them. The vowel M is pronounced as a sound that is felt in the mouth, but since the lips are closed, the sound has, come, has to come out through the nose. The vowel M contains remarkable powers. This is from the Divine Science. We perform the microcosmic star before lying down to astral project, especially before we vocalize the Egyptian mantra, Fa-Ra-On. Before we explain the next mantra, let us examine what the microcosmic star is. It is a symbol of the perfected human being, made into the image, the psychological and spiritual image of divinity. 
The upright apex represents the head, which should be above the rest of the body. This signifies that our spiritual understanding is in command of our other faculties, and not the other way around. The inverted pentagram, with the apex facing down and the legs up, is negative, because one's reason is governed by animal instinct. This represents how the soul falls downward into negative states. We perform these movements to align our mind, heart, body, and soul with the divine. This exercise helps us to get into the right mood for astral projection, but also any spiritual practice. It is a form of spiritual protection against internal and external negativity. The gestures of this microcosmic star symbolize the descent of spiritual force into our inner universe. Movement is sacred, which is why Catholics genuflect with the sign of the cross. Muslims kneel and bow in submission to God. And Jews shuckle, sway back and forth when reciting prayers. Begin with your hands over your heart, the right hand over the left. This is the same posture as the Egyptian pharaohs praying to the solar deities, to the creative divine. Next, join your palms together over your head. Then separate and lower them downward so that your fingers touch your shoulders. Afterward, extend them to your sides. Next, lower your hands over your sexual organs. The right hand should be over the left. Divine influences descend into the matter of our body and eventually synthesize in our sexual energy. Our hands form the cross over our sexual glands, representing the union of spiritual forces within us. The cross is also a sexual symbol, a representation of alchemy, as described in our other courses. When our right hand covers the left, it means we enact divine will to dominate our animal impulses. We transform the sexual potential into a spiritual force through transmutation exercises. This is especially represented when we inhale and raise our hands. Hold them over your heart, the right hand over the left. Your palms should rest on your chest and your forearms should be crossed right over left with your fingertips reaching to the front of your shoulders. This indicates that we have elevated the creative energy into our heart, thereby strengthening our spirituality. Breath is deeply related with transmutation and prayer, since through rhythmic and profound inhalations, we channel our sexual force and transform it into a source of spiritual empowerment. Perform the microcosmic star whenever you feel the need. But also, perform it before you practice the mantra Fa Ra On. This mantra is intimately associated with the mysticism of Egypt. Since Fa Ra On, syllabically and symbolically, 
equates with the solar dynasties, the pharaohs, or sacred kings of the Nile. So it's also important to remember that Egyptian, Aztec, and Mayan mysticism share Atlantean roots. Since their pyramids, religions, and cultures originated from the same wisdom, you can see that a lot of mystical knowledge came from Egypt, evidenced by the mantras Egypto, Ephraim, and Pharaon. Such mantras are passcodes for entering spiritual states and dimensions. You can even astral project and approach the pyramids of Giza in the superior worlds, since a marvelous temple of mysteries is active there within the astral world. If you wish to visit this temple in the astral world, first lie down in the same position as the Aztec and Mayan sculpture of Chakmul, which we see on the right here. This figure was described by Samalan Vior in Aztec Christic Magic. Here is what he said. In the Museum of Anthropology and History in Mexico City, there exists a stone figure of a man who is partially lying down in a dorsal decubitus position. The soles of his feet rest on his bed. Thus his knees are elevated. The backs of his thighs are pressed up against the backs of his calves because his legs are bent. His upper body is arched as if he may get up at his first impulse. His face is towards the left and his sight is fixed on the horizon. At the height of his solar plexus, he hands, his hands hold a container. Chakmul is significant. He is the god of rain, holding a receptacle at his solar plexus. This is a symbol of the abdominal chakra, which receives and stores divine solar energy from our spiritual practices. This collection of energetic potential is like a cup that accumulates the dew of heaven, the rain of transmutation. It is this reservoir of energy that helps one to astral project. If you deplete your energies throughout the day, emotionally, psychologically, and especially vitally, then you will not have the energy necessary to activate the consciousness. However, saving energy is not enough. We must consciously utilize it. We do so through imitating the posture of this Aztec god. For this, our knees must be bent like the pyramids whether of South America or Egypt. Our solar plexus receives the power of our solar divinity in the same manner as the pyramids transmit tremendous spiritual potential, which is why our knees must be bent in imitation of this fact. When performing this practice, you can rest your hands over your solar plexus and prop your head up with a pillow. However, Samalanvir also describes placing one's hands to the sides if that is more comfortable. What is also significant about Samalanvir's description of Chakmul is the fact that he faces the left. His body is arched and ready to move at his first impulse, and his sight is fixed on the horizon. 
The left side of the body signifies the lunar energies we seek to dominate within our interior. We represent this fact by laying our face on its left side during this exercise. We must also be ready through this practice to get up on our astral body after we have consciously transitioned, thereby demonstrating Chakmul's alert and responsive state. These qualities are essential when distinguishing the time to transition and act through the astral body. Lastly, Chakmul stares at the horizon, a symbol of how the consciousness aspires towards the height of spiritual attainment. We do so through remembering the presence of divinity. While in the Chakmul position, concentrate upon and visualize the pyramids of Giza in your imagination. See it with as much color, vibrancy, and clarity as you can. Do not let your mind get distracted by thought. Become drowsy while pronouncing the mantra Fa-Ra-On. Fa-Ra-On helps us to resonate with the cosmos. As Salman Vyar stated in The Major Mysteries. When this mantra is vocalized, it must be divided into three syllables. The first is Fa, which is the note that resounds in all of nature. The second is the Egyptian Ra. The third is the Om, which reminds us of the famous Sanskrit Om from India. The mantra sounds like this. Fa. Vocalize the mantra aloud at first, perhaps for 15 or 20 minutes, then whisper it for the same length of time. Finally, pronounce it mentally as you fall asleep. Here we see an image of a meditation mural common amongst many Tibetan Buddhist monasteries and temples. It represents the top of the nine stages of meditative concentration. It is a map of the different degrees of serenity from a wild, distracted mind to a disciplined and tranquil mind. As we explained previously, Conscious astral projections are facilitated through serenity and concentration. We can deepen our serenity and concentration through pronouncing the mantra Rusti. Salman Vior provided this exercise in relation to the zodiacal sign of Gemini, the astrological sign of the twins. They represent the two pillars of any temple of mysteries. Since balance is achieved through serene, Reconciliation of opposites. When the mind is no longer afflicted by dualistic notions, 
It learns to perceive reality with penetrative insight and discovers how to open the doors to the higher worlds. Some people become terrified by the idea of astral projection, even though they unconsciously enact it every time they sleep. The mantra Rusti can help overcome that fear to develop comprehension of the astral projection process. The mantra is pronounced like this. Astral projection is natural. All living beings do it every time they sleep. When you pronounce this mantra, first aloud, then whispered, and lastly in the mind, you will become drowsy. Thereafter, get up out of bed. Do not imagine it. Actually do it. With enough practice, you will find that you have transitioned, seemingly without knowing how or when. Patience is the key. The next mantra is Tai Re Re Re. It causes us to resonate with exceptional energetic vibrations. Like this image of a hummingbird, this mantra accelerates our consciousness into higher states so that we rise like a bird to fly within the superior worlds. The mantra Tai is chanted with strength, accentuating the vowel Ah or A. Chant the syllable Tai with a deep tone. The remaining three syllables are pronounced like the ringing of a melodious and prolonged bell. In this exercise, you do not need to roll the R. Simply pronounce it, giving unto the vowel eh as in red, a song-like quality. Sing the syllable ra, re three times in a higher tone than tai. Here's what the mantra sounds like. Tai, re, 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 re. Tai re 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 Tai re 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 Tai re 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 With enough practice, you will transition into a drowsy state of equanimity, balance between wakefulness and sleep. The student will rise from bed without hesitation, doubt, laziness, or reasoning. This is an instinctive, automatic process that does not require thinking. One must adopt the attitude of a child, inquisitive, alert, spontaneous. Birds don't reason. They do not harbor doubts nor entertain preconceptions. They simply fly away naturally, instinctively, automatically. In the same manner, one must imitate the birds through this mantra 
rising from bed to depart within the astral world towards any place of the cosmos. So what is the anahat sound of the cricket? Every existing thing is in perpetual motion. From the universal and the planetary level down to the cellular, the molecular, and the atomic. Wherever there is movement, there is sound. Even when it is not readily perceptible to our limited senses. Likewise, wherever there is movement, there is energy. Since all action and activity requires the emergence, subsistence, and cessation of force. Our physical brain also vibrates with energies and forces. Just because we don't perceive them in our waking state doesn't mean they don't exist. One such vibration is the anahat sound. It is a vibrational keynote that characterizes our physical brain. All existing things are permeated by the spiritual power of sound. Since every independent entity enacts a specific vibrational character. The combination and synthesis of such disparate notes make up a fundamental tone or keynote. All the cells of our physical brain produce the harmonious keynote known as the anahat sound, otherwise known as the still small voice that Elijah heard in the mountain cave. You can see the first book of Kings, chapter 19, verses 11 to 13 in the Bible. This sound is similar to the chirping of a cricket, which is accompanied by an electrical current of tremendous force. This is why in the story of Pinocchio, Jiminy Cricket, which is southern slang for Jesus Christ, is the wooden puppet's guide. The still, small voice that Elijah heard in a cave is also associated with the voice of Christ within the soul. Concentrating and meditating upon this mystical sound will unlock the entrance of the internal worlds. However, to hear it, one must disassociate from all distractions, thoughts, preoccupations, memories, worries, problems. One must become absorbed within this sound, which is similar to a chirping cricket or the hissing of a serpent. Become like the bee that labors with love within the pollen of a flower so as to transform that substance into divine nectar. Quiet the mind. Do not repress it. Do not stifle, gag, or choke it. It is essential not to treat the mind with violence. Tranquility is not found through suffocating thought. We experience equanimity through serene observation of our states, not identifying with any thought. Let the mind settle by looking at it. Do not invest your energy into thinking. Let it be. 
if you learn how to listen with clarity and spontaneity, when you no longer let yourself get carried away by mental chatter, no longer anticipating what might happen, remaining unattached, you can begin to perceive these mystical sounds directly. You can also acquire a cricket and keep it in a cage near your bedside. While falling asleep, concentrate and meditate upon the sound of the cricket. With enough discipline, attention, and consistency, your brain will start to vibrate with the cricket's chirping, thereby expanding your own awareness of the anahat sound. Allow your consciousness to vibrate with it. If your concentration is profound, these vibrations will produce the separation of the astral body with your physical body. Then you are free to travel to any place you wish in the astral world. The next mantra, La-Ra, is associated with the caduceus of Mercury. This medical symbol has ancient roots relating to the spiritual science of alchemical transmutation. The alchemical tradition is symbolic, representing the transformation of base metals, our terrestrial personality, into the gold of divine wisdom. The staff is a spiritual symbol of the spinal column, whereby two serpents of power entwine. These serpents represent energetic channels where sexual energy rises to the mind, thereby blossoming upon our backs, the wings of genuine spirituality. One serpentine channel is composed of lunar forces and the other with solar forces. Sometimes esoteric authors refer to these forces as spiritual atomic intelligences which are not atoms as we think of in conventional physics, but internal principles and potentials. These potencies originate from our sexual glands, the testicles or ovaries, and can rise up the spine through their respective conduits to illuminate the mind. Such energies, elevated through spiritual practices, aid us in achieving conscious astral projections. One way is through the mantra, La Ra. Here is what Samal and Vior said about this in the Divine Science, Logos Mantra Theurgy. The sexual energy is bipolarized into positive and negative. The solar atoms from our seminal system ascend through the right ganglionic cord, which entwines around the spinal medulla. Likewise, the lunar atoms from the seminal system ascend through the left ganglionic cord, which entwines around the spinal medulla. The solar atoms resound with the mantra Ra. The lunar atoms vibrate intensely with the mantra La. The sexual power of the two witnesses known in the Orient by the names of Ida and Pingala can be used in order for the still, small voice, the Anahat sound, to resound within the brain. The Anahat sound is produced by the sexual energies in motion, it is already known that all motion produces sound. Therefore, if we compel the solar and lunar atoms of our seminal system to vibrate with intensity, 
Then the Anahat sound will strongly and with more intensity resound. This will grant us the capacity to consciously project ourselves in the astral body. With these mantras, the above-mentioned solar and lunar atoms will intensely spin, forming an electric whirlwind. The spinning movement produces the Anahat sound, which will allow the student to consciously escape from the physical body. It is essential for the student to get up from, be from the bed while in a slumberous state and take advantage of the mystical sound. The two witnesses of the revelation of St. John grant the power of prophecy because they produce the awakening of the consciousness. The solar fire rises to the right ganglionic cord. The lunar water rises to the left ganglionic cord. Fire plus water is equal to consciousness. The fire of Phlegathon and the water of Acheron cross in the ninth sphere, sex, forming the sign of the infinite. This sign is the Holy Eight. If we carefully observe the caduceus of Mercury, we perceive the Holy Eight formed by the two serpents that are entwined around it. Here is how we pronounce the mantra La Ra. La activating our sexual potential through these mantras, we in turn awaken the power of the two witnesses, the caduceus of Mercury, which opens the door to internal spiritual perceptions. Another way to produce conscious astral projections is to pronounce the mantra S. This letter activates and transmutes the sexual energy, allowing one to resound with the still small voice within the brain. Some people pronounce the mantra S on its own to achieve conscious astral projections. Some have combined the mantra La Ra with S as follows. La The mantra La can signify the element Earth, and the mantra Ra can signify the element Fire. When you combine the syllables La, Ra, and S together, Ra becomes Ras, or the Hebrew Rosh, or Resh, Aleph, and Shin, which means Head. These mantras raise the solar fire of our sexual energy, Ra, to the head, from our physical body or earth, La, to Rosh. The letter S sounds like the hissing of a snake, which also represents the element of fire. The mantras La, Ra, S, or just S, can provide powerful results if practiced with dedication and consistency. 
A simple but effective way to develop internal illumination, the capacity to consciously travel in the fifth dimension, is to vocalize the mantra O. This mantra is often recited within Hinduism and Buddhism. It has tremendous potential for awakening the consciousness. As we mentioned before, many people suffer because they can't consciously experience the astral dimension, even after many years of study and practice. There is, however, a remedy. Vocalize the mantra O for the development of the cardiac chakra. As with other astral projection mantras, you vocalize the vowel O and immerse yourself within its vibration, energy, and sound. This exercise empowers the heart chakra, which grants the student the ability to project and travel within the astral world. For millennia, yogis have utilized this mantra to experience divinity and awaken intuition, the capacity to know without having to think. We've already mentioned how too much intellectual activity depletes us of energy, creates imbalances, and impedes the realizations of the heart. While the intellect is needed, balance is necessary, especially for Westerners, whose intellectual pursuits predominate other activities. Conscious vocalizations of the mantra O can aid in the restoration of our lost astral faculties. You also pronounce the vowel O while falling asleep, prolonged and pronounced like this. You might suddenly find yourself transitioning into the astral world through the heart chakra. People often report coming out of their bodies to the heart with this exercise. It is very effective, especially when you charge your heart chakra through an hour-long vocalization each day. This mantra reinvigorates the powers of the heart. Here is some practical advice for performing any of these exercises. Practice an astral projection mantra consistently. If you select the mantra, don't practice it sporadically. Perform it every night before you fall asleep. These exercises work when we are consistent. Just as you would brush your teeth as part of a healthy, hygienic routine. Likewise, you should vocalize a mantra every night you go to sleep without expecting results. It is good to select a mantra to work with in accordance with your needs, intuition, and inspiration. Practice whatever mantra inspires you most. If you lack inspiration to use a particular mantra, then try another. However, whatever you select, be sure to stick with it for a prolonged period of time if you want results. Some people stick to a mantra for many years before getting results. Therefore, we should not expect immediate results from little practice. It takes dedication and effort. Do not change the mantras during your practice. 
if you lie down to pronounce a mantra, don't switch it up in the middle of your practice. Whatever mantra you start with, dedicate yourself to it fully. This is because each mantra trains your concentration, which will not become integrated and strong if your attention is dispersed among different practices during the same session. Vocalize a mantra aloud, gradually softening to a whisper, and then pronounce it internally. This general sequence helps us to initiate, sustain, and complete a practice. Vocal recitations help us get situated in the practice, since we're using our lungs and speech to concentrate and begin the exercise. You can vocalize for 10 to 15 minutes if you like. Then you can whisper the mantra as you get drowsy. Do so for another 10 to 15 minutes. Finally, recite the mantra in your mind, your being, silently as you go to sleep. This gradual abbreviation of sound from vocal to silent recitation helps us to go from the body into our internal worlds. Also, be sure to completely relax and concentrate upon the mantra. You cannot go to sleep and astral project if you're tense. You also cannot concentrate effectively if your mind is chaotic and strained. Relaxation is essential. To relax, vocalize the mantra and dedicate your entire being to it. Do nothing else. Do not even think of a problem. Eventually you will calm down and start to become drowsy. The key is to not lose your attention as you become sleepy. This is why we must hold on to the mantra as we fall asleep because otherwise we drift and get lost within dreams. Any astral projection mantra gives us a foothold into the internal worlds so that we can eventually transition with awareness and intentionality. Remember to practice astral projection whenever you sleep. This tip is simple. You cannot get results if you forget to practice every night. Lastly, do not pretend or imagine getting up from bed. Actually do it when you feel you have detached from your physical body. As we mentioned earlier, some people think the astral projection process is an imaginary exercise. That you do it in your mind. The Kama Rupa, or astral body, is material. You operate in it just as you do with your physical body, although with less restrictions on your activities. Therefore, translate your movements into facts. When you feel that you've transitioned, get up from bed and perform a quick reality check. Jump in the air if you float. Or jump in the air, because if you float, it's because you're in the astral world. If you don't, come back to bed and reinitiate the practice. Keep practicing each day until you get results. Throughout the day, develop self-observation. Each day, for at least 10 to 20 minutes, develop meditative concentration through visualization of an image. Select an astral projection mantra and work with it every time you go to sleep. Lastly, continue your spiritual diary. If you have questions, you are free to ask them. We have a question. 
How important is it to lay down with the head to the north for astral projection? For those who are not familiar, Solomon Vior mentions in a bunch of writings of his that you can facilitate astral projections with greater frequency and sustainability by falling asleep with your head facing the north. This is because northern magnetism has a profound effect upon astral projections. This is something that we are going to talk about in a future lecture, but I will explain some of that detail here. It's not necessary that you place your head towards the north to be successful with astral projections. What it does is increase the likelihood. So if it's possible in your room or your bedroom, your home, to place your bed with the head facing the north, that will be very helpful and conducive for your practices. If you can't, for whatever reason, whatever your living conditions are, it's not fundamental. But it is an additional help that can benefit us. This is because the magnetism of the earth acts upon the astral body. We know that the northern climate tends to be more cold, particularly in relation to how the forces of the earth magnetize. Some esoteric authors have attributed colder weather to spiritual states, such as Friedrich Nietzsche in his Thus Spoke Zarathustra, where he explains that by climbing the mountain, he always felt rejuvenated and utilized mountain symbology and geography to correlate with the experience of higher states. In the same way, the magnetism of the earth helps to activate certain astral potentials. Since the astral body is fluidic and dynamic in nature, it responds readily to energy and magnetism. So if you want to help facilitate your astral projection practice, laying down with your head towards the north can help with that. There's a deep correlation with that. But if you can't, it's not going to be the end of the world. But it is very useful. We have a question. Is it possible to listen to an audio recording of a cricket for the still small voice practice? You can listen to the audio recording, but it's not going to create the vibrational equivalent of the real thing. The thing with this type of sound is that it acts upon the magnetism of the, of the brain and the body. You need a physical cricket if you want to work with this. Because the actual vibration of the sound has a much more profound and penetrative effect on the physical brain. The sound actually enters the ears and affects the brain directly and therefore strikes at the consciousness. So you need an actual cricket in order to do this, not an audio recording. An audio recording is, is synthetic, digital, and doesn't produce the same vibrational output. This is why it's always good to go to classical music concerts. I know we've talked in previous courses about the effects of classical music upon the psyche. It's good to listen to recordings, but nothing can replace the actual live performance because the vibrations of those instruments act upon the soul. In the same way, the cricket has that potential to work upon the mind if we actually have the physical element or creature there, the insect, to do the work. We have a question. Do these practices work for a person who has experienced emotional pain? I currently meditate and am getting used to calming my mind and body. I'm also trying to stay in the present moment. 
yes, these practices work for anyone. They are universal. In the same way that speech is universal to all human beings, the capacity to articulate thought. In the same way, these mantras belong to the divine, golden, luminous language of the divine, of the angels, of the prophet, of the prophets. Obviously, it's difficult for a person who has a emotional illness or is suffering from depression, from negative emotions, from anger, from resentment, or from problems of the heart to access a deeper state of serenity. We've mentioned in the previous lectures how serenity and visualization are essential in order to achieve conscious astral projections with frequency and sustainability. While it's an obstacle and a hurdle to overcome when dealing with emotional pain, there are remedies to help alleviate suffering and to develop equanimity in the heart so that the heart aligned with the mind with its capacity for imagination can open the door to the superior worlds. These mantras are very helpful for calming the mind and the heart, especially when you practice with them every night, falling asleep. We do also have another practice in our tradition in order to deal with emotional pain. It's called the magic of the roses. You can find it on Glorian Publishing's website and we've referenced it a couple times in ours as well. We'll provide a link for you in the chat box. The magic of the roses can help to deal with emotional, spiritual trauma. That combined with the mantras, we can, we can gain really profound results. So don't lose hope because these practices work. What's important is that we are consistent with them. We have a question. What is the first best thing to do when we awake in the astral plane? It depends. Actually, I'm planning towards the end of this course to give a whole lecture on that. What do you do when you navigate the internal worlds? What do you do there? We kind of hinted at some of those things in the first lecture of this course called Fact and Fiction. I'd say listen to your heart, your intuition. Your soul will tell you what to do. The mind will deliberate and perhaps hesitate, vacillate, wander. But if you are very in tune with your sentiments, when you're actually there, when you're conscious, many times you will know what to do without having to think. It's instinctive. It's not an animal instinct. It's actually more of an automatic, spontaneous impulse from the soul. It's very different from animal instinct, but it is, in a sense, automatic. Sometimes when you wake in the astral plane, you can simply know what you got to do. For some people, it might be in accordance with their dedication and practice, to visit a temple, to visit the White Lodges, to go to the Pyramids of Giza and enter, if possible, the threshold of that divine sanctuary, that temple of light. Others might require an answer to a difficult spiritual problem, and therefore they invoke their inner God, their being, to teach them what they need to know. Some might wake up in the astral plane and wish to investigate a particular issue 
maybe the past life of a prophet or even their own past existences. It's going to depend. There really isn't a best thing for every person to do. But there are many things you can do. And that depends upon your own inclinations, the inquietudes of your heart, and most of all, the inspiration in the moment. Obviously, if you're practicing astral projection because you want to visit, like with the mantra of Pharaon, to the temples of Giza, or the pyramids of Giza, then you have a specific, consistent, and established goal that is inspiring you to want to practice in the first place. So again, follow your heart. Follow your intuition. The mind is the donkey that is awkward and flounders and stumbles. But if you listen to your heart, you will know what to do. We have a question. When performing mantras, is it okay to raise the pitch from the usual low tone? Sometimes the lower tones dry or affect my capability to perform the mantra for so long. Yeah, I mean, you have to gauge your lungs and your vocal cords when you pronounce these mantras. I've heard mantras from many different instructors and even pronounced by Samal and Vior, which are varied, different. Certain mantras have very specific tones to pronounce, such as with Fe Uin Dagd, right? Salon VR specified that that mantra is pronounced at the musical note Mi. But he doesn't really give other types of specifics, such as the particular note or on the musical scale you have to perform. There are generalities that are important to remember. Every person is going to be a little different. Obviously, our vocal capacities are unique. And if you need to accommodate your lungs and your vocal cords by adjusting yourself when you pronounce these mantras, like a raising the pitch from a lower tone, that's fine. Comes to my mind the mantra Tai Re 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 as we pronounced it. Um, if you're listening to my example, I obviously have a deeper voice, so I'm going to pronounce it in accordance with my own range. So you got to gauge and judge your own vocal cords when you pronounce these mantras. Some people who listen to other instructors or even such as Tibetan Buddhist chants try to imitate very deep voices, very deep tones, which are not natural to their capacities, and that can actually harm the vocal cords. It's better that you pronounce in the range that is natural to you and you only gauge that by practice so it's good to keep in mind how the mantras were described in our tradition and to follow them accordingly but there is going to be a little bit of leeway in play when you are actually performing them to see how they actually work in your own circumstances Okay, I thank you all for coming. This recording will be available online so that you can also study these pronunciations on your own time. And I uh, appreciate the turnout. It's a nice day here in Chicago and hopefully the weather's bright and wonderful where you're at. So I thank you very much. <music>
To learn more about the knowledge covered in this lecture, we invite you to study the books available through Glorian Publishing or GnosticTeachings.org. You can also view free online courses, lectures, transcriptions, and articles available at ChicagoGnosis.org. All of this is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Have you benefited from this knowledge? Help others by making a tax-deductible donation at ChicagoGnosis.org. We thank you for listening. We hope that these lectures aid you in developing your complete and divine potential. May all beings be happy. May all beings be joyful. May all beings be in peace.